It was quite stunning for me as a nurse to go into acupuncture education and realise that just because lots of people put up with things doesn't mean that that's actually a normality and that in Chinese medicine, the uterus was just a muscle. So therefore, blood flow, menstrual bleeding was not supposed to be painful and uncomfortable. And menopause was a natural process that didn't have to be very traumatic for women to transition through. Just because a lot of women suffered from certain conditions, that that didn't mean it was normal. Welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio, a podcast sharing stories and wisdom from experts in the fields of holistic wellness and sustainable living. I am your host, Todd Howard, coming to you from Ravenhill Herb Farm, a permaculture design campus of Pacific Rim College in Victoria, British Columbia. As the show's guests demonstrate, by doing small acts to embrace more mindful living, we can positively impact our communities. Even if she stopped today, Dr. Deborah Betts would be leaving behind a tremendous legacy that has greatly impacted the global treatment of pregnancy and childbirth with acupuncture. But, as this conversation indicates, Deborah is not stopping nor slowing down her research, teaching, and pioneering work in this specialty. As Deborah indicates in this episode, just because women have been told that painful births, irregular periods, and menopausal symptoms are just a normal part of life, does not mean that they need to surrender to this alleged inevitability and not make efforts to enhance their health and well-being. Augmenting her nursing background, Deborah graduated acupuncture college in 1989 Inspired by her pregnancy during her studies, Deborah developed a strong interest in pregnancy and childbirth and over the subsequent three decades has emerged as a leading authority in the area. In 2006, Deborah published The Essential Guide to Acupuncture in Pregnancy and Childbirth, a textbook that has become an invaluable resource around the world. In this episode, Deborah walks us through her doctoral research in the use of acupuncture for threatened miscarriages and the general symptomatic relief that participants experienced. She shares with us her work in teaching acupuncture to midwives over the past 20 plus years and her current and exciting project in mentoring acupuncture maternity peer support through which she and four other leading acupuncturists provide support for acupuncturists working with all levels of pregnancy. We also discuss her multi-year writing project that culminated in the publication of her textbook. Deborah seems to reside at the forefront of her industry and is currently working to revolutionize training protocols to generate more accessible and positive treatment outcomes. All of us in the field of Chinese medicine have likely benefited from Deborah's work. Perhaps this conversation will birth within you an interest in using holistic therapies during pregnancy and childbirth. Please enjoy this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with Dr. Deborah Betts. Deborah, welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio. Great. It's great to be here, Todd. Thank you for asking me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And it's very good to see you again. It has, I don't remember when the last time we got together was, but it's been a while. Most of our listeners, I think, will not need much of an introduction to you because they are familiar with your work and that work largely is in the field of acupuncture and pregnancy and childbirth and I think since last time we met you have become Dr. Deborah Betts. You completed your PhD what about seven years ago? Yeah Todd it was 2014 officially. And I read that that was acupuncture, on acupuncture and threatened miscarriages. Is that correct? 
That's correct. So it was a three years of my life looking into how acupuncture could influence or if acupuncture could influence uh, that area of practice. And that really just came from the some, some things that were seen in clinic to do with these women who are bleeding in early pregnancy and asking for treatment. And I just found I was such interesting results, so positive. And I really, when I was asked to put forward some ideas for a scholarship for a PhD program, I thought, well, that is one area of clinical practice that I can't really explain. It's not very well utilized amongst acupuncturists, and yet it was something that I'd seen in clinic that was so valuable to these women. So that's came from clinical practice. And then I went through and learned how to do a little bit more official research and did a randomized controlled trial and learned how to do um, other types of research like qualitative interviewing, etc. So quite a journey for me, quite an unexpected uh, place to take acupuncture. Um, my children will tell you that I would not be, uh, statistics is not something I naturally, you know, jump up and down with joy for or have any great affinity with. So <laughs> it was an interesting time. Tell me a bit about what you discovered during your work. So you focused on acupuncture and the treatment of threatened miscarriages. What were the outcomes? So one of the things was within this little randomized controlled trial, it was a pilot. And what we looked at there was giving acupuncture treatment versus touch. So we were looking for giving these women some care, but trying to find, to look at what, what the differences might be. And what we found was that less women did miscarry in the acupuncture group. However, it was too this trial was too small to show statistical significance. So it may just have been due to chance. However, what was interesting was there, we got them to keep diaries for symptoms and used a uh, outcome measurement that you can use in alternative fields. And that clearly showed that the woman who had acupuncture had statistically significant symptom relief. And that was their back pain, their cramping, their anxiety, things that they saw as really important um, those that had acupuncture had relief from, whereas the woman in the control group who were getting a 20-minute treatment where they lay down and they had some points touched, weren't acupuncture points, they said, oh, I felt so better, I love the treatment, it was so great to have someone to talk to, but their symptoms didn't change. The bleeding, the cramping, the back pain, the sleep, anxiety stuff. So we can't say that from that trial, we can't say that acupuncture affects miscarriage, but what you can say is that it is beneficial um, for symptom relief when women have bleeding in pregnancy. And it just makes sense that if you can calm down the bleeding, if you can calm down the uterine contractions, you create a better environment for successful pregnancy. So in your placebo group, they were receiving touch therapy, but not on particular acupuncture points. Is that correct? Yes, and I wouldn't call it placebo because placebo means there's no in, no intervention. So the big thing is that you're still intervening because you were giving them some care. They were lying down, feeling care. Mm -hmm. There's stress hormones, etc. That's what you were trying to also work with. Um, so more like a control group, you were trying to see if acupuncture delivered more benefits than getting people to lie down 
and um, just be calm. Okay. So the control group, then the participants knew they were in a control group and knew they were not getting any form of acupressure or acupuncture. Yes. And that was the problem. That's why the study ended up so small is because when people wanted to come into the study, I had to say that they, I couldn't guarantee they would get acupuncture. So most of the people who wanted acupuncture went and paid for it. Right. And then people in the treatment group actually received acupuncture with needles and not just acupressure. Is that correct? Correct. And so symptom relief for sure was demonstrated through the study, but not necessarily a reduction in the rate of miscarriages. So yes, there, were, there was reduced miscarriages. However, we can't say that that was not, that could have just been due to chance because the study was so small. But yes, there were reduced miscarriages. Mm -hmm. And what I saw in clinic was exactly what came through in the study is the woman reported less cramping, less bleeding, you know, feeling calmer, feeling that they were more in control. And I think that's the package of care that we provide. We can't guarantee that uh, miscarriages won't, you know, still occur, but the woman felt much more in control and they'd done everything they could. And anyone listening, I'll just say, you know, 25% of women bleed in early pregnancy. Uh, usually they're told there's nothing they can do. Around about half of those go on to have a miscarriage, but that means half of them don't. And these women are just told, oh, try and relax. There's nothing you can do. Whereas I think we can offer them a package of care that provides some very real benefits if you're measuring symptoms. And with the treatment group that received acupuncture, were they all getting the same acupuncture protocol and therapy or was it unique to each individual? How did you determine it? Yeah, so that's one of the interesting things about our research now is it was set up to be a pragmatic study. So I could do whatever I like. I just set the study up so that I could give whatever diagnosis I wanted. I could use whatever points I wanted. You record them and then you report on what was your most frequent diagnosis? What were the most points you used? So this is all published. So that's the other thing. That and interviews that I did with the woman and interviews I did with midwives, et cetera, is all published. You can find it under PubMed by Googling my name, putting my name into PubMed. But yes, so I, the, my most frequent diagnosis, and I allowed myself multiple diagnosis, but my most free, frequent diagnosis was liver cheese stagnation. Um, and that makes sense because the people coming into the study were the ones who were not happy being told there's nothing you can do. And they did seek out, you know, because I was being referred women into the study by the fertility unit, by the midwifery assessment unit, by the midwives. And so they would give out information and say, look, you know, sorry, you're bleeding, your baby's still, um, you know, you, the baby's still got a heartbeat. And the woman were then said, there is the study you can go into if you'd like to. And of course, the ones who came into the study were the ones who were really annoyed about um, not being, able, being told there's nothing you can do. So that kind of makes sense. And the other big taking from it, which is what I'd seen in clinic, was it's not all about blood stagnation. And, you know, we need to move beyond thinking that there's this corresponding Western medical diagnosis or just because Chinese medicine, you might have, a, you know, this thing that's commonly this. When we treat people, it needs to be an individualized, you know, approach. That's where I think we have a strength in getting results. Um, 
I did have some with blood stagnation, but the overwhelming majority were deplete, spleen young deplete, and liver cheese stagnation. And I only diagnosed blood stagnation if they had sh um, sharp, you know, pin sharp stabbing abdominal pain they could point to, um, and you know, signs of blood stagnation. And for our listeners who are not trained in Chinese medicine, liver cheese stagnation. Is it safe to say that's basically someone who is feeling stressed and frustrated and therefore they're not at ease? Yeah. And so one of the underlying principles behind that is to put their body into a good place to heal, to help all the hormones settle and support a positive uterine environment, um, is that you need your body to be as, in, you know, as balanced as possible so it can do what it wants to do rather than being disrupted by hormones being and stress sort of aggravating situations. Um, and so what you're really talking about, if, if uh, some of the listeners are not involved in Chinese medicine um, or don't really understand about threatened miscarriage, it's a bleeding in pregnancy where um, often there's actually been a little tear or a bruise sort of in the uterus and it's irritating the uterus. So there's a sort of internal um, between the linings of, of the um, between the placenta and the uterus, something that's irritating the uterus and a, a, a bleed or a tear. And so the idea is to calm things down and get the body to heal. Where you have bleeding that's happening because there's a genetic problem and the woman is going to miscarry, um, there's, you know, there's, there's absolutely nothing we can do about that except help the woman move through it and have a, you know, an efficient miscarriage as possible. Yeah, so the bleeding generally that is not a not the disorder that you just spoke of but the previous one where you said it's a it's a tear in the uterine membrane yes is that, so that's typically what we the cause of the bleeding is so just taking a step back so you get the bleeding and then woman will usually go for a scan and if the scan shows a heartbeat then it's called threatened miscarriage and when the scan shows where your baby's still alive um, but you've got this bleeding, which may be quite a lot of bleeding, or it might be a little bit of spotting that lasts over several days and people get concerned. And then they go for a scan and about approximately half of these women, the babies, everything seems to be fine with the baby. And then they're told you've had some sort of little disruption in the uterine environment. Often there's that they can see a little um, crescent moon-shaped sort of within the uterus where there's been a pool of blood formed from some sort of bleed or tear. And they'll say, well, you just have to try and hope that that will settle down, that you won't have any more bleeding and that the, you know, the, everything will sort of calm down and, and self-absorb. So that's what women are told. And I think we can step in and say, in those cases where you're waiting for everything to heal, that acupuncture can come in and be helpful in that process. Where do these uterine tears typically come from? Uh, they're in the subchronic layer, which is why they're called subchronic hematomas. So it's sort of like a, a, yeah, it's just something that happens inside the uterus. And it's quite a common occurrence, whether or not it then turns into um, a miscarriage. What is the cause of the tear or the disruption to the uterine environment? Is it uh, a physical bump on the mother or is it the, the fetus that causes the tear? They don't really know. And I mean, I'm getting probably getting really off track here, but it, this probably happens quite frequently in a pregnancy. Just if you don't have any bleeding or any pain, 
and there's something that a little tear, your body just naturally repairs itself. So if they do scan a lot of women, they do find these little tears happening, or these little pools of uh, bleeding, but the body just deals with it. It's no big deal. It's on with it, it um, and it, it heals itself. Um, it's only when you start getting the cramping and the bleeding that then the woman will go and get the scan and often those are larger or in places that are more irritable um, to the pregnancy. So it's one of these things that with Western medicine, we can see inside the uterus. And so we can start to pick up things that you wouldn't have been able to pick up in the past. But very clearly, Chinese medicine talked about bleeding in early pregnancy. And it talked about ways that you could help settle the body down, depending on the different signs of the bleeding. Um, and so this is really just adapting that to using scans and saying what extra information does that give us and how does that impact on your diagnosis? Other than the outcome of decreased symptoms, were there any other things that you discovered in the study that were interesting or you weren't expecting perhaps to see? One of the things was, because we did interviews with the woman, um, one of the things was how upset they were with their caregivers about being told that they just had to try and stay positive and there was nothing they could do. Um, and that was a bit surprising because the caregivers that, that these women had had referred them into the study. So these caregivers were very interested in helping them, very, um, you know, they were, they were giving them advice but from the woman's perspective, it was quite shocking to be told, well, you'll just have to wait and see what happens. There's nothing, there's no medicine. There's nothing that we can do that will actually um, give you an advantage. And so sometimes they, they do give progesterone, but there's actually no really good concrete evidence that that, should, that actually really makes a difference because it's not really the progesterone being low that's causing the bleeding. Okay. So Deborah, how did you come along being to being an expert in the field of acupuncture with pregnancy and childbirth? Well, I, I, I don't know about the word expert. I think it's this idea of developing an interest in an area and really having a passion for that area. I was, well, I got pregnant in my final year of acupuncture. So that certainly added a little bit of... Um, you know, dynamics to what did I want to do? Um, and then, uh, you know, and then it really was quite stunning for me as a nurse to go into acupuncture education and realize that just because a lot of women suffered from certain conditions, that that didn't mean it was normal. And so you see that in menstruation, you see that in sorts of things where women are talking menopause, you said, oh, this is just common. This is this is common, women have to put up with this. And it was quite a revelation to me to come into Chinese medicine and have it talked about as well. That's, that's not actually true. Just because lots of people put up with things doesn't mean that that's actually a normality. And that in Chinese medicine, the uterus was just a muscle. So therefore blood flow, bleeding, menstrual bleeding was not supposed to be painful and uncomfortable. And menopause was a natural process that didn't have to be very traumatic for women to transition through. So that was quite interesting to me. And then when you look at pregnancy, that is a big area where women are told, oh, you just have to suffer with back pain and it's normal to have nausea and, um, you know, this will all go away. 
you know, your vulval varicosities, which are like um, hemorrhoids in your vagina, that'll just go away after you have your baby and your back pain will just go away. So you just, sorry, you just have to put up with it, dear. You know, that kind of idea around um, pregnancy. Whereas Chinese medicine very definitely says there are things that you can do to make your body work as well as possible. And guess what? Your back pain reduces. Your, um, you know, you sleep better. Your digestion improves. Um, the nausea, if it's early pregnancy, nausea becomes much more controllable. Um, so you can just really help women have a much more pleasant um, pregnancy that really impacts on their life. It impacts on their how they feel about their body, how they feel about their birth. If you can put your body into a good state, then it can have a response to those, those hormonal changes. And so that was a little interest. Um, and then when I came back to New Zealand and got pregnant again, I was obviously in a world of childcare and, you know, play centres and kindergartens. And I was working with, uh, wanting to work with pregnant women to uh, see what we could do. And the midwives got really involved because they were seeing what was happening, referring women to me, really kind of pleased with what they were seeing and then wanted to learn acupuncture themselves. So I was teaching at the stage at the New Zealand School of Acupuncture is like five years on and approached me and so we started running little courses for uh, midwives to learn how to do acupuncture because not everyone can afford to come and have private care and that really took things to a whole other level for me because here were um, midwives able to change their practice and really validate how beneficial acupuncture was because they could incorporate some of it into their practice and that led me to writing the book and because it was such, uh, you know, it was, it was so validating to have all this feedback from midwives and to still have acupuncturists say that they were worried about treating pregnant women seemed such a strange situation. So the book was written to say, look at, all, look, look at what we can do, look at what these midwives are doing using very, uh, what we would call straightforward treatments and wanting to really make it normalized that pregnant women had acupuncture. It wasn't some big scary uh, field for acupuncturists. And that led me into lecturing uh, internationally and meeting researchers and really wanting, you know, obviously part of my work with the midwives was needing to answer that question, is acupuncture safe? And so I know some acupuncturists feel research is a different model and we don't need to engage in it and that it doesn't isn't relevant to Chinese medicine but to me being able to use research as a tool to inform my practice has always been crucial because then I can confidently say look yes, yes it's safe because here are these reviews of say 2,000 women and half had acupuncture and half were in a control group and you had no increased rates of miscarriage um, you had no increased rates of stillbirth in the, in the woman receiving treatment. And it's like for my study that I talked about with bleeding and pregnancy, there's no way I would like to put women at risk or, you know, I, I need to know that acupuncture is safe. So for my own satisfaction of my own practice, um, I, want, I got involved in learning about research and that led to me being offered a scholarship, which led me down a different path. Um, but always working with midwives, teaching midwives some of the acupuncture skills and feeling that really adds to the modality of what I can then use in practice because they also adapt it to what's relevant to modern pregnancy care. 
And I want to highlight something that you spoke of in, and I'm just going to call it the medicalization of pregnancy and childbirth. And to even go back a step from that, it is this, I think, kind of this allopathic, this Western medical belief that it's okay and it's normal to be in disharmony or in dis-ease and that we just take medicines, we take pills, and, and that'll take care of those symptoms. Pregnancy and childbirth is not an illness. It's not a disorder. And so for anybody who is pregnant to be going into that thinking that, oh, I'm just going to have to deal with all the things that come up and there's nothing I can do about it, I think that's that's really a travesty because there are people like you and other healthcare practitioners who can provide a tremendous amount of support because if they are dealing with a lot of different symptoms, it indicates there is some sort of disharmony or disease, not disease, but dis-ease. And practitioners such as yourself can provide so many options and alternatives for people. So I just wanted to highlight that. And I'll just say that it's kind of, it's still amazing to me how much your body can revert to homeostasis. Your body wants to not have the, those problems like the back pain and the heartburn and the, um, you know, not being able to sleep properly and the nausea. It's so if you can help your body shift into a state where it can, uh, you know, do things like what you might understand from a Western medicine perspective, balance the hormones, calm down inflammation, help the body get back on track, it is just amazing how quickly that can happen, especially in pregnancy where people just respond so beautifully to positive um, interventions. So it's not a case of one saying, I think it helped, it might have been useful. It's like, wow, that was, I slept last night. I didn't wake up with back pain. Well, I walked out of here and my pain had reduced from, you know, being on, honestly, people, needing crutches to move around, you know, to being able to walk properly, to be able to not, you know, there's all sorts of things if you're in the field of pregnancy that women are told, oh, I'm sorry, you just have to put up with this. Quite bad pain that you wouldn't really tell normal people that that's a normal part of their life and they just have to put up with it for several months. Um, And because it's not an injury on your body, it's an adaption to the pregnancy, to the hormones, to the processes to the extra weight distribution and you can help your body adapt to that so very strongly coming from that perspective that there are things you can do yeah and i i'm sure i've said this before on the show and just want to reiterate it not just for pregnancy but in life in general i firmly believe that if people are not living with full vitality and feeling that vibrant health, it's not just something we should settle for. There are causes of that imbalance and there are practitioners and there are therapies that can help revert someone to a state of homeostasis. And I just want to encourage people to, to not just settle for a lack of vitality because that's, that's not normal. Normal would be everyone feeling amazing and having vigor and vitality. Not the majority of people feeling like, oh, I don't want to get off the couch today or whatever. I'm in a great deal of pain or I don't have the energy to get through my work day. 
Yeah, and I would just like to say it's it's this idea that um, to me it's this idea, and I, I know you can't see me, but if you think of like a there's a central space where your body's always reacting, and we kind of shortcut that into homeostasis. So you swing a little bit, your temperature goes up and down, your activity goes up and down, you, and, but you're in a space where you can get back to the middle, and that's where most of us should be sitting, not right on the outside somewhere where it's so hard that you it's too you know, it's so extreme that your body can't easily get back to the middle of that swinging balance. So it's not that you have to feel happy every day and bouncing around. And it's the fact that you should have some variability and some ability to bounce back. That when you're tired, you rest and you come back. So that you've got that ability to rebalance yourself um, and to stay in that homeostasis. Um, and if you develop a little headache, you know that that's a sign that you need to do something because otherwise it develops into a migraine. And if your back is a bit sore, you know what you have to do to stop it getting to the fact that you need to be on bed rest or have crutches. So it's this idea that you can work with your body to stay in a space that where you can uh, look after yourself and help your body. Um, and rebalance is a kind of a boring word, but that's how I see it, back to that homeostasis. Does that make sense? So it's yes. not about being having a perfect healthy day every day, but being in control to know what you need to do, the food you need to eat, when you need to rest, what's a sign of stress for you, and how can you make sure that you stay as healthy as possible, despite whatever's going on around you, which could be uh, not great. You could be in situations where you don't have like pregnancy, you don't have support because your family aren't there, but how can you help yourself stay as healthy as possible? Yeah, it's, it's like being in a state of dynamic equilibrium. There's always going to be fluxes. And I think it's important for people to remember that the symptomology that we experience, that's just a messenger. The symptoms are just a message of what is out of balance in the body. And rather than taking drugs to silence the messenger, as you're suggesting, we, we listen to those symptoms and we adjust. If we're tired, we're, we rest. If we have pain, we think about, okay, what am I doing that's causing that back pain? So I think it's just really important for people to, to bear that in mind. I think in our society and with our allopathic medical system, it's become so anti-based, anti-inflammatory, anti-nausea, anti-X, Y, and Z, that really what we're doing is we're just shooting the messenger. Yeah, that we have no respect for how the body is able to adjust um, and try to do you know to do things um, in a way that's productive and we sort of write it off as well you need surgery or you need to have a medication um, to to fix the problems and they can be on the come from a nursing background they can be really good tools but they're end stage tools to me and there's a lot you can do uh, you know without having to revert to that. So just bringing this back into childbirth um, is the idea that, you know, contractions are useful. They tell you you're gonna have a baby and you're not just shopping in the supermarket and the baby falls out on the floor and you've got no, <laughs> you, know, you know, like that's dangerous for the baby and for you. So, you know, it's, it's the fact that there are things there that, um, so contractions can be useful, but they should not be overwhelming pain and fear and wanna make you scream and, you know, like the, there's a, process that that's a natural response that people can work through and have control and it is good that if you're not in that space and there are things that are wrong and the baby is stuck that you could have an epidural I'm certainly not against that and would never 
would not like to live in a society where I could not have given that choice. I didn't have that choice if things did not go well or that my, you know, now my daughters would not have that option of, a, of an epidural or cesarean section. But they're end tools for when things go wrong. They're not normal tool, but normally women um, can progress through physiological labor. And it is not like you see on TV where everyone is just screaming out for pain relief. I think it's a really distresses me that that's the image of birth that you know, people often have. And instead, if they talk to midwives or people who have birthed well, it's a series of calmness and strength and hard work, but feeling like, wow, this is okay. And it's a very different feeling from feeling out of control and not being able to cope. So I, I don't, in childbirth, often it's sort of seen as two extremes, whereas I think labor is a really good word because it's really hard work. But when have you ever done anything that's easy that you felt really proud of? Or that work. So it is labor is right. work, but it is like a lot of things in life. It is things that um, there are extreme rewards for that hard work. And I'm, uh, it's, but it shouldn't be about overwhelming pain and fear and distress. Um, and then the idea is that um, if you are in that space, then use the Western medicine tools because your body is not in a state of moving through labor as it, as it was intended. Something's gone wrong. You've got stuck. The baby could be stuck, um, whatever's happening. Does that make sense? So I spend all this time in trying to encourage women to have a really healthy pregnancy, to be, um, to have a natural childbirth, or to experience the best labour possible for them. But I still appreciate that Western medicine has a lot to offer. It's it's just that it's uh, for a specific purpose. Yes, and I agree completely. And yeah, that makes total sense. Sorry, and I just don't want people to feel they failed if, or that their body failed them if they needed to have, you know, if they did all this prep and they were healthy and they did all the acupressure and things started off well and things did not go well. Um, I don't want them to think that they failed or their body failed because nature isn't always very kind. And thank goodness that Western medicine there was to step into. But the other thing is that if women are not prepared and um, can't, you know, then, then it's a wasted opportunity of having that positive experience. And you can have a positive cesarean section and you can recover really well and you can do things to help your breast milk come in and to help your cesarean section scale, uh, scar heal. So it's not really a fight against Western medicine. It's about you having a really positive birthing experience and getting your body to work really well for you in whatever situation you're in. Does that kind of make sense? Yes. It does. And for your journey, did you begin in nursing and then go into acupuncture? Yeah, I was in nursing and I went into pediatrics and then neonates. So I, that's, you know, neonatal care. So I was one of those uh, nurses rushing down to delivery suite, resuscitating babies and uh, being at that dramatic end where Western medicine saved the day. And um, then when I went, traveling I came across acupuncture and acupuncture school and suddenly as I said in my first couple of years of training kind of came around to thinking well what about prevention what is normal what is normal health and what is prevention and a lot of the things that I thought of were just normal part of what women had to put up with there there is a prevention aspect to seeing how you know how good you can make your body how well you can make your body work and that comes through into pregnancy what if you know, you start off labor well and you don't get tired and exhausted. 
will it go a whole lot better than if you go into labor and you're so exhausted, you just haven't got the strength to, to cope with labor. Um, and what if the baby's in a good position? So you don't have to struggle with a posterior baby. Wouldn't that make labor a whole lot easier? And what if at the beginning of labor, all the oxytocin hormones that wanna come in can be stimulated so that you get all this great pain relief without having to uh, you know, have all that, uh, have that shut down because of um, fear and anxiety in early labor. And that's just really prevention. And so I got really interested in prevention and um, guess, you know, surprise, surprise, it seemed to have a very um, positive beneficial effect. And the same with this bleeding and pregnancy. What if you could take the body and calm things down and help the hormones come in properly? Would that result in women feeling less distress and less bleeding symptoms and, and less um, contractions? And they're not supposed to be. And surprise, surprise, you know, the body responds. And um, I think you can get these beneficial effects. Can you share with us some of your more memorable or profound experiences using acupuncture with pregnancy and childbirth? Oh, um, look, okay. So one of the things is that what I suppose, you know, when you start off in a field and you want things to work for everybody, um, so really what sticks in my mind is the woman that didn't respond initially how I was taught in acupuncture school would respond. So that's that idea of developing, really looking at what's going on, what can we do, how can it be helpful, working with the midwives, what's really happening here. And so leaning into concepts of, um, you know, cervical rightening and what was, what's behind that and how could acupuncture help that. What would be, so the things that stick in my mind mostly are the cases that you would see as um, cases that taught me a lot in terms of looking beyond what I was taught initially. And I think that's a whole learning experience that always goes on with acupuncturists is wanting to get better results. In terms of positive results, because I was in charge of a hospital clinic for 10, over 10 years where we had students and it was free acupuncture treatment, in, in a hospital clinic two afternoons a week for only pregnant women. Uh, as I said, people getting walking in crutches and being able to walk out without their crutches. Um, students just totally blown away by people coming in so nauseous and walking out and thinking, I'm hungry. I can't believe this. People uh, coming back, we used to get referred cases of people really under a lot of stress and you know social difficult circumstances and coming back and just saying, this has changed my outlook. I can, I can, I've had some sleep. I can see a way of coping with this. I'm going to ask for help and my counseling's going well. Just there's so many things, physical pain and emotional um, resilience that people get a space to actually um, work out solutions for themselves. I think that a lot of the emotional work I work with, it's people who are so in a space that there is no way of thinking about positive things to do or ways that they cope. And the acupuncture gives them a space to um, really move into a bit of, you know, sleep and feeling less stressed and then ways of framing it so that you can work out what is good for you to do. Because as you, you know, we're talking about acupuncturists, there are different kinds of stress manifestations. 
And so it's about working what's, what's your stress that you're under and what would be beneficial for you. For some people, that's exercise, for some it's dietary things. There's a whole lot of different responses to helping your body calm down when it's stressed. Um, so yeah, I, I, obviously this was my own childbirth. I suppose one of the most memorable thing was, was um, the, some of the listeners are aware, my big, uh, I suppose, early contribution was discovering you didn't need needles to give yourself pain relief and labor, that you could use acupressure, which is just point, pushing on the points without the needles. And that was rather a shock to me because as an acupuncturist, you think the needles are all really powerful. And really it's about the points and what the changes that you bring about in the body. Um, and finding that in labor, that people had this, the same sort of responses they were getting with needles by just getting their support people to use acupressure on these points. And that was a big learning for me because um, I was in a position of being with my second labor and not wanting to even, didn't know an acupuncturist to have around and getting my partner to press on these points and, think, and just thinking, wow, I can't believe this works. This is actually... This is like the contractions are, you know, half intense. I can't believe this. It was just this real unreal uh, learning that you didn't need the needles to stimulate the positive results, uh, and you know, for labor. Is that sort of thing? So that led on to, yeah, it was quite an experience for me. Because as acupuncturists, we love our needles and the skill that we have in manipulating the needles. Yeah, and I've... I found in my own personal practice that especially in moments of intensity, which childbirth certainly can be, sometimes needles are actually uh, counterintuitive to helping the mother experience ease. And I've had experiences where I haven't had needles and yet I've needed to intervene in a, a traumatic situation. And the results have been much better, in my opinion, because I didn't pull out an acupuncture needle and send someone into a perhaps a deeper state of, of stress or shock who maybe isn't comfortable with acupuncture. And I, well, it just makes so much sense for child where you want people to move around in early labor. So it doesn't make sense. And it never made sense to the midwives. So they were big proponents of taking the acupressure and just really saying how useful that was. Um, so those... Uh, you know, that was that was a big learning for me is that um, there were circumstances, like you say, where you didn't need to have such strong stimulation in, in labor that the uh, acupressure, also because you're doing it for such a long time, you get, you get end up with very similar sort of responses in the body. I just love treating pregnant women because you get such good responses. There's so much that we can help them with that no one knows uh, that that we do this work. As I said, like as I said, the, obviously the reduction in physical pain, the way that people change, um, and the idea that you could influence things like um, bleeding in early pregnancy is uh, was just it, it's still astounding that you can do that much, that your body can respond that well. The other one was uh, conditions that Western medicine doesn't really understand why it happens like that's like preeclampsia in pregnancy whereas you, the body does go into sort of a state of toxic so it's very dangerous it needs to be monitored but um my own sort of experiences and then the midwives backing that up is that there were situations that we saw that were blood things changed by the um, liver enzymes changed the um, protein in the urine changed or beneficial and as well as the blood pressure becoming beneficial. 
So how can acupuncture do that when Western medicines can't even really do that with their medications? Um, it's, that's kind of amazing. And the other things is, I suppose, seeing the, bite, the things that you can measure with blood tests like um, ferritin and uh, hemoglobin in pregnancy, that can be a real problem with iron anemia. And you can see something as simple as using Moxon Stomach 36, increase that above what um, is expected in maternity practice from just giving the supplements alone. So we can measure that. We can measure these things uh, that are concrete Western medical um, mark in pregnancy and women are having these tests and these assessments because they um, are being monitored. So it's not, as I said, and it's not always a case of, oh, I think it's useful. You can actually have very concrete markers about what acupuncture has stimulated. And for any one person, a woman, maybe that's just luck or chance. But when you suddenly get people midwife saying, this is the last 10 people that I've treated, this has happened, then it's 50, and then it's 100, you really get that um, depth of this being something very real rather than just a one-off situation where something happened that was unexplainable. And it all makes sense from our, our paradigm. Um, from acupuncture, we make sense of how we can get these positive shifts in the body make sense to us, even if they wouldn't make sense to a, a medical uh, doctor about what points we're doing and why. And can I just put in the plug, the other really thing that um, you know, I think has a huge market is postnatal recovery. So many women put up with not recovering from childbirth. They put up with but um, you know, they call it bladder leakage or bits of urinary incontinence or stress incontinence, um, things not healing properly, feeling tired and exhausted. There's such a huge area that I've seen such remarkable results uh, with women in that postpartum period in their recovery. I'd really like that to be really well known as well. What are some of the specific pregnancy and childbirth conditions that can be very effectively treated with acupuncture or acupressure or moxibustion. Uh, for example, many people might be familiar with moxibustion for breached fetuses or breached babies. Yeah, so that, and, and even when I was training, it was sort of like the key things were the nausea, uh, breached babies, and then it was all about sort of inducing labor, was seen as the key things that acupuncture could do. And I would say that. Um, Induction of labor is more to me about not needing to induce labor because you do the labor preparation so well, you go into labor naturally. And so that's, that's a whole kind of topic in itself is that if you have to intervene to stimulate contractions and to stimulate the onset of labor, um, that's not the best space to be using acupuncture for. But the reality is that it's about helping at every stage and as women move through the different trimesters of pregnancy, dealing with problems when they're at a stage where they can respond. So early, um, but even uh, looking at a little bit of back pain, don't wait till it gets to be that you need to have crutches. And that especially like with um, things like anemia, dealing with as you come into the stage where your body needs more nutrition, being able to help your digestive system absorb nutrition so that, um, that you don't go on to develop those problems. If the baby's not growing very well, look at what you can do to enhance the uterine environment rather than waiting until 
uh, there's a major problem. If your uh, readings are suggesting that your blood pressure is not quite stable and they're putting you under monitoring, that is the time to actually help your body readjust and get those beneficial changes in your liver enzymes, etc., rather than waiting till you need to be admitted to hospital because you're on bed rest for preeclampsia. Um, so I see it as all throughout. There's, there's so many things that we can help with. Uh, helping women have good quality sleep is so important. And by that, I don't mean that you don't... This is, this is so much in the research around um, setting up inflammation in the body, setting up problems in the body um, that make it harder to deal with things in pregnancy. So it's that whole idea of... I don't mean that people have to sleep all through the night, but that when you get up, because it's restless and all these things, that you can go back to sleep within an hour, that you don't lie awake for two hours and stay in that uh, state of um, not having deep sleep, because not having deep sleep doesn't help your body repair or cope with what's going on emotionally or physically. So sometimes it's just working with people to, to help them sleep, uh, help with headaches and, and um, gastric problems and digestive problems that they might have had a lot of, and they've put up with as normal, and they're pregnant, so they can't now take their medications, or they're worse. And suddenly, it comes into a healing space where you actually improve their digestion way above what it was than before they became pregnant. So there's all sorts of areas to work on, or that we can be beneficial for, other than waiting for something dramatic happens. In the have you ever had to intervene in a childbirth and actually treat the infant with? acupuncture of some sort no um no i haven't so i haven't you mean like instead of trying to resuscitate a baby or something like that with acupuncture yeah no i've i have read reports of, of people doing this in situations like in countries where they don't have good intensive care so that you know that is that they use things like acupressure to try to, to stimulate and it being useful but no, I've always been in situations uh, where there, well, that doesn't, that was back in the old days when I was rushing into deliveries that were going wrong. So most of my work has been around supporting labor to, to, to go well. Um, and I'm really focused on not being on intending labors. It's been about giving people the tools to go into labor in a good space and also teaching midwives women in the labor. So I've really only ever been to labors for friends. And um, uh, so it's more about equipping them to have positive experiences and deal with uh, using acupressure and labor for themselves. Let's talk a bit about the book that you published in 2006, The Essential Guide to Acupuncture and Pregnancy and Childbirth. That has, it's an incredible textbook. It, I know at Pacific Rim College, we've used it in our curriculum. Tell me a bit about the journey and creating that book and including how the idea even came about for it. Well, I would say that I would not, that I owe a great deal of um, credit to the, the layout and, the, and the, the process of that book to Peter Dedman, who was a publisher, because I'm not a natural writer and my initial uh my initial ideas of the first year of the book that I sat down to try and write this were very different to how it turned out. And that's thanks to having a fantastic editor and mentor in Peter Dedman. Um, it came about because of the work with the midwives who were reporting that it was changing their midwifery practice. It was reducing their medical interventions and they felt that acupuncture had something very real to offer. 
In New Zealand, like uh, in Canada, we have independent midwives. So that means that they can practice without needing to be under a obstetrician. And, but that every, in New Zealand, it's every three years they go before a board and they have to present all these statistics about natural births and cesarean rates, et cetera, and have it evaluated. So they knew what their medical intervention rates were and their natural childbirth rates were. And they were telling me that as soon as they started using acupuncture, they could actually see changes, positive changes um, in their practice and how useful it was. So this, after several years of having this feedback and being asked to present at midwifery conferences, it just got so annoying to have the current literature around acupuncture say that it's very dangerous and that acupuncture shouldn't be doing it and that there were things you couldn't possibly treat when I, that was not my experience at all. So I started writing and I talked to someone who um, had written books and about how frustrating it was, he said, and this person said, I'll help you. And he took me to, he said, come, come with me, brought me a brandy, sat me down and said, this is, you know, you really need to do this. You nearly need to write. And I said, no, 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 I can't do that. And he said, no, this is what you need to do. This will enable you to get the message out. Um, I'll help you. Now, I'm, so I sat down and tried to put together what I thought would be useful, thinking I could do this quite quickly in a year. Uh, it turned out that he wasn't able to because he developed other commitments. But um, that's when Peter Dedman came in and started working with me on some of this because of the articles. And it was an article about acupressure. And he had, it, uh, he had an experience with it and he really liked it and asked me to write more articles. And so I said, oh, I've got a whole lot here to do with this book I'm working on. And so he stepped in and helped me with that. It did take four years of writing off and on. It was not the process I thought. I thought I was going to be able to whip something up in a year. I didn't have time to do, to do much. That's <laughs> all I had is the holidays when my kids were, you know, that's, I only had a few, they were quite young. The youngest was about six, I think, five when I started. So it was like this in-between times of breaks. Uh, yeah, I had no idea. If I'd known how long it was going to take, it would have really put me off. So my advice would be start the process you have a passion or an idea about like writing get people around you that can help you listen to their advice because they often know what they're talking about um and yeah start the process and work your way through it and it may take a lot longer than you think um but you end up with something that you're really pleased with well, as long as four years is of all the authors who I've had on the podcast, that's probably one of the shortest turnaround times. Some of them I know have been multiple decades in putting together books. So yes, it definitely does take time. And and to, to uh, highlight again, Peter Dedman, he's of course been on the show here and he spoke about the writing and the publishing of his incredible book, The Manual of Acupuncture. And he is how fortunate you were to have him as a mentor because he is such a skilled tactician when it comes to putting together a book and making it something that is user-friendly and just filled with valuable information. What was the reception like to your book once it was published and how has that, has that changed over the years? Uh, it was very interesting that, um, and this again comes back to Peter, you know, wanting to work with me on this because it was at the time it was seen as not very useful because no one was interested in pregnancy because 
people were worried about treating it and that they might, you know, that it was not seen as a good, a big field of acupuncture. And especially, I know we had conversations when we got to the fact that it was going to be published, which was so exciting. Uh, the conversations was, well, we really shouldn't, we don't need to ship any books to America because they, there's no one in America who will use acupuncture. And <laughs> books over there. And then I got asked to go and lecture um, with, in America. And I, and they said, no, you know, and it just really took off. And it, was, it wasn't just because of my book. What my book was, did was it validated that there were lots of practitioners treating in America, but they felt quite isolated. And they felt, so even though they were being told not to, or that it was dangerous, they were treating these women who were distressed and they felt that they could use their medicine in a preventative way. And so it was wonderful going to America and having these people so grateful that they now had something they could use. It wasn't about me giving them fantastic treatments. It was about validating that you could use acupuncture in pregnancy. So yeah, it, it, uh, it's hopefully that's changed now. It's very acceptable. I'm now involved. I've also had the chance because of lecturing to meet other wonderful practitioners in the field who've been working away at this like longer than I have. So but they've been just sort of working away, doing their own things. And we've come together as a group of five of us to form a mentoring program for other acupuncturists, an online mentoring program, to really help this coming together, working on projects, this idea of not being isolated, being able to you know, share case histories with each other. So, and, I've, and again, we can bring in, you know, um, I, you know, uh, I think to healthy seminars and obviously all, all the work that's done in that area um, to promote acupuncture and to be promoting um, pregnancy-based acupuncture in terms of seminars, because that was a big change and that was a big risk. So um, that's, that's another aspect of people being really helpful and open when pregnancy was seen as a very minimal, minor thing that no one would really want to touch. You know, Lorne Brown came in and said, you know, let's run a seminar on this as well. Um, and basically said, you know, we need to we need to get this message out there. And I, I those key people in our field had that sort of um, vision to, to bring on pregnancy acupuncture. And now, thankfully, it's a field. There's lots of people involved. There will hopefully be more books, more ideas about what people are doing and it will become a real branch of Chinese medicine. Yeah, I remember in my, well, I'll never forget, in my studies when I was in China doing, I guess, clinical rotations in a hospital, and I got to watch a cesarean section using acupuncture as the chief anesthetic agent. And wow, it may have actually been the first, it was the first childbirth experience I had, which was incredible in and of itself. But to be able to watch acupuncture be used as the anesthetic agent and to see the entire procedure of the cesarean section happen with a mom being completely conscious and cognizant and actually conversing with the practitioners and clearly feeling little to no pain. It, it's remarkable. It was absolutely astonishing to watch that. You spoke at this mentoring program where can people learn more about that? Uh, well, they can email me. And as well, we've got um, some information on healthy seminars. Um, and that's with myself and Sarah, Sarah Budd, who ran um, 
uh, acupuncture clinic on the National Health Service in the UK for 25 years. Um, it's with Claudia Sikovic, who has runs the, um, she's been working with acupuncture birthing in uh, New York Hospital for over, you know, for uh, over 25 years as well and running into training programs. Um, and then there's Kate Levitt, who really took, took the acupressure research uh, into a whole other level of showing how effective it was. And then there's Zena Kochner, who works with um, in, a UK, in a US hospital, and she actually works as part of the team with high-risk pregnancy patients. So they're in the hospital um, and, and having acupuncture care. So there's a really diverse range of these wonderful women who have been, you know, it's, I was the fortunate one who got to write the book. They could all have written, well, Claudia has written the book and Sarah wrote the chapter in Jenny Money's book. So they've, these very experienced practitioners um, coming together to try and help people feel really comfortable treating in pregnancy. So, but welcome. Yeah, we want to, um, yeah, we want, we want this to grow into a really field of healing, really developing expertise in it and not being isolated and helping these women. Great. And are you still teaching midwives? And if so, where can they, where can midwives find more about working with you? So um, the courses that I run in New Zealand are, are acupuncture courses. And so, yes, that's still, uh, that's still ongoing. Interestingly, we had a lockdown here. And so um, what I did was I moved some acupressure courses online. And so I'm now running acupressure courses um, online, as, as short courses for birthing um, practitioners like midwives and doulas, et cetera. And I'm running them in different countries with an acupuncturist who's kind of the key person and the go-to person. And then um, also, so I've got the lectures and the material online. And the idea is to build communities for acupuncturists who may want to have connections so that they can then be seen by the uh, midwives and the doulas as the go-to person. They're um, just helping them teach, I suppose, and give the resources to, to learning acupressure. So that's about... And this is online, so it's a new field of bringing people together for Zoom meetings and getting them to watch lectures and getting them to um, show us point location online. So it's a whole whole different field because normally we just think of having physical classes uh, to teach. So yeah, those and that's people, uh, if they would like to, that's also something people can do. And it, not that it doesn't sound like you're busy enough. Are there other things that you're working on right now as well? Um, yes, I would like to see, um, I would, I, yeah, but again, it's, and of course it hasn't been approved, but I would like to see more nurses and doctors and physios studying um, a bachelor's course in acupuncture. So this is for New, Ze for New Zealand. So I would, it's, um, hasn't been approved yet, but hopefully in a few years, if you interview me, we will have more integration in the health system because it won't just be short courses that medical practitioners are taking, but that they will study acupuncture as a, you know, as in its entirety and to make it practical by doing blended online, uh, online learning so that they can actually stay, uh, make it more practical for them to do that. But I just see this huge gap in the health system that acupuncture could uh, you know be so helpful in so many areas and part of that would be for current western health allied health professionals to bring it into the hospitals 
this. So that's something else I'd like to see happen. And not just because they've done a short course, and they call themselves a medical acupuncturist, but they've done the same training as the um, traditional acupuncturist. And is that something that you are currently involved in making happen? It sounds like perhaps you are. Yes, but it hasn't been approved yet. So um, as I'm saying, a couple of years time, this, we might have that happening. But I think that's an aim for the future, maybe for I'd like acupuncturists to think about is it's not, it's never been a competition between health providers and acupuncturists. And I, you know, I've, I run short courses for people, um, but it's about providing a pathway that those that are interested they could actually could have access to the way that we think and our education without having to give up their jobs and move somewhere and go to a physical school. No disrespect to your school. And obviously we still have <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> schools in New Zealand where you, you, you know, you study and it's mostly face to face, some online, but you, you have to attend you know, physically. I would like to take the opportunities of blended learning and just see if we can't make it practical. Um, so that we, I've, I'm a big, what's worked for me in the past is like with the hospital clinic and the acceptance amongst um, obstetricians who were very unaccepting in the beginning um, has been what I would call a Trojan horse approach is that they turn around and they think, wow. And then they, they're not fighting acupuncture and saying, oh, this is so weird. We couldn't possibly use this. It's not a competition or a, a a fight about paradigms. It's just like, this is really helpful. This can be used in these ways. And midwives being able to use acupuncture really open doors to us to being able to have our home hospital clinic, etc. And I would really like acupuncture to be used as a healthcare tool without, you know, within hospital systems so that you have free access. Another thing that I think about pregnancy acupuncture that's very useful is it's not just about the pregnancy it's that when people are told or sort of pregnant women are told well this you have to put up with this there's nothing you can do about it even if it's something like heartburn that's making them vomit at night or keeping them awake they come have one acupuncture session they see a big change in their body their symptoms reduce they then start thinking there are things that they can do and the next time their baby is sick or they're told something about another health problem later on in life that they may explore other options for health. But I think the whole process of uh, having ex access to those care and that idea of health is quite profound for people as they, you know, later on in life as well, not just for that birth. Yeah. Right, of course. And are you currently in clinical practice? I, I was running uh, last year a multi-bed clinic. Um, so just to try and do the low, you know, low cost care. I've put my energy again into this new project. So we will see where it goes. I'm quite good at um, thinking you can do everything and realizing that you're going to have to focus on one project at a time, plus your family and your life. So that's where I'm at at the moment is trying to make this kind of education approach work. And um, yes. yeah. Well, it's good to find your own homeostasis and follow your intuition so that you're you're not burning yourself out. I will make sure in the show notes that I put links to the various things that we've talked about. And is there anywhere in particular, any website where listeners can learn more about you? Um, so we, I have a website, um, which is just, if you put my name into Google and with um, acupuncture, 
which have come up. Um, we have a um, this mentoring group it's called MAMPS, Mentor and Mentoring Acupuncture and Peer Support. So that's if you put mamps.org um, into the search engine, it's taken to the MAMPS website. That's just been launched. Um, and then there's healthy seminars have for acupuncturists who would like more lectures. Um, I've got a whole lot of lectures with um, healthy seminars. Um, and I've also got lectures on healthy seminars from Claudia Sikovic and Sarah Budd's also got some lectures on there as well. So if people want to delve more into this and get more in depth in terms of the acupuncture, I think there's some um, good resources out there now. Great. Well, thank you. I'll make sure to put all of those in the show notes. Oh, so I'd also mention Claudia, which is um, for help for those of you who are uh, midwives or doulas out there. Um, Claudia's put uh, a really nice book together for um, birthing, um, birthing health workers, uh, explaining a lot of acupressure and a lot of acupuncture tools. And it's particularly around preparation and use during labor and postpartum recovery. Okay. So very interesting. Okay. Great. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put that in the show note as well. And I want to thank you for all that you have done to better our profession, to bring acupuncture in the treatment of pregnancy and childbirth into this the new light, into the realm, so that people feel more confident using it and can use it safely. I'm certain it has been a benefit to tens of thousands of people around the world. So thank you for for doing that and for taking the four years of your life to write the book and and all the teaching and seminars and mentoring that you do. And hopefully maybe one day when travel restrictions have lifted, we can get you back to Pacific Rim College, either for an online or an in-person workshop. Yeah, well, thank you for that. I, I count myself as very fortunate to having Work, being able to work with people who have those same sort of visions and ideas about acupuncture, including, you know, Todd and your school bringing me uh, twice to Victoria and having such a, you know, a, a great opportunity to, to talk to your students. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. And thanks again for taking the time to do this today, Deborah. Thanks, Todd. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with Dr. Deborah Betts. For more information about Deborah and her work, please visit acupuncture.rhizome.net.nz. Find this link in the show notes and also a link to purchase Deborah's textbook or visit the bookstore at Pacific Rim College. If you are interested in studying Chinese medicine, the School of Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine at Pacific Rim College offers world-renowned multi-year programs, including world's only study options, combining acupuncture with Western herbal medicine and holistic nutrition. Visit PacificRimCollege.com to learn more. Also, don't forget to check out our other online education in Chinese medicine by exploring the amazing course offerings at PacificRimCollege.online including many courses featuring other guests of this podcast. If you are interested in receiving clinical services in holistic nutrition, herbal medicine, and acupuncture and Chinese medicine, the student clinic at PRC provides more than 7,000 annual treatments. Live holistic nutrition and herbal medicine consultations are both available online, while acupuncture and Chinese medicine treatments can be had at our Victoria campus. Free treatment options are available in all areas. Visit the student clinic at pacificrimcollege.com for more information and to book your appointment. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give it a five-star rating on whatever podcast app you're using. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, remember that just because we are told an inconvenience in health is commonplace does not mean that there is nothing we can do to avoid suffering the common fate.